This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, March 11th, 2023. Dornall, how was your week? Bro, you got the year right. My week has now been topped off. Uh, I've, I've been distracted lately. Uh, work and sick. Uh, my... Uh, my poor fiance's had a cold all week. That's uh, a real bummer. Um, got some stupid stuff to talk about. Some cool stuff and some stupid stuff to talk about. Want to hear it? Sure. All right. So spending some sick time on the couch. And and by the way, I apologize for everybody uh, who's jumping in live. We're starting a lot later than we usually do. We'll probably be a short show today. Um, but... Uh, Spent a little time on the couch with a dumb horror movie on in the background called Smile. I don't think we talked about it. Have you seen it or heard of it or anything? I did see it. I actually did a review on it, I think. Really? Well, I don't recall the review. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie was even more forgettable than the review. Uh, what can I say? Uh, it was uh, a bland... Uh, poorly written, stupid modern horror movie that had no point. Um, great. Yeah, the evil spirit wins. Anyway. Uh, I, yeah, I don't... Too many, too many horror movies think that's a, a smart ending to the movie is, you know, evil wins. It's like, no, that's, that's not good. That's not smart. That's not a change up. They, uh, they they reused, you know, they reused the same gag over and over again. You know, the character thinks she's talking to a person. Oh no, it's really a hallucination caused by the evil spirit. Uh, you know, the the poor troubled character who's cursed uh, gets startled and drops a wine glass on the floor and it shatters twice uh, in the same place. One of the other the other character even noticed it. He's like, "Did you drop another glass?" This is so stupid. Really bad. Um, but hey, uh, since watching Cocaine Bear, I the bar is that low. It could be worse. It could be Cocaine Bear. Um, oh, there was a news story this week. A uh, real news story from like Cincinnati or Detroit uh, where a cat uh, was found having overdosed on crack to a poor thing this is true this is literally true and they had to save its life i just saw this yesterday so true so um yeah uh, the prediction i saw on twitter this is not my prediction this is someone else's prediction on twitter is that they're going to make a sequel to cocaine bear called crack cat ah. crack cat well maybe they'll get some uh some writers who can make it funny this time that, that could work as a humorous movie maybe <laughs> oh trust me cocaine bear attempted humor a couple of times 
But that's the thing. That's kind. Of, that's actually just a sad story because cats are very entertaining naturally. Uh, as evidence, I offer the entire internet. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what the internet is for. <laughs> cats and the other thing that the internet is for. Yeah, you know the the. There's an interview with the man who invented the World Wide Web, coined the phrase the World Wide Web, and uh, they asked him. They said, "So what's what's the most surprising thing that came out of it?" And he said, and this isn't a quote, but he said something along the lines of, you know, I never would have guessed that the web would be used for so many cat pictures. <laughs> you have to keep talking because I'm just laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a great story. Uh, but the movie's not so not so much. Hey, uh, other good news this week. For those of you following the blog, we know you know that uh, we've been interacting uh, with Jeffro Johnson quite a bit behind the scenes, um, participating in his wild D and D experiments. Well, he's finally condensed a lot of the experiments and and learnings and everything into a book. So. If you would permit me to shill for a little bit. Um, Jeffro's got a new book out. I haven't read it yet, but, you know, we're part of the experiment, so we can we can read between the lines. Uh, it's called How to Win at D&D, &D, which is a great title. I, yeah, I think he must have done it just to steal the title from John Mollison before he could write the book. Um, um, and here's the thing. Uh, here's the two things, if you'll allow me to brag. I was the first person in the entire world to order a copy of the book. Nice. Um, so the announcements went out, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I went to the site, and I ordered it, and it turns out I was number one. Um, and the second thing is, this is only the first book based on this material. Um, it is an excerpt of the material he's prepared for a much longer work that covers many more sub many more topics on this subject. Um, so Pylum Press, uh, the editor of whom we've had on the show, and previous books from whom we have, uh, I, I guess, pimped hard, uh, like Shagduk and uh, the new Skyler Hernstrom books, um, is also publishing this one. So they are definitely the press to watch. Our friend Neil Durando is uh, uh, publishing this one too. So you know it's going to be, you know it's going to be great because they only publish great stuff. Absolutely, uh, what a good eye. Um, I'm so thrilled that Jeffro hooked up with Neil to make this happen because, I mean, like I said, the stuff that Jeffro's writing, if you've heard, heard me or DW wax poetic, like if you heard one of us waxing poetic about it, a lot of the ideas we're paraphrasing either from 
those discussions from those experiments are directly from Jeffro, right? So if if anybody wants to know, uh, John, what the heck have you been talking about this whole time? Every time you start rambling on about D and D uh, and you know patron play and first edition and everything, what is that all about? He's he's putting all that in a book, all together. Um, Concise and I suppose written in the only, only the way Jeffro can. Uh, there's some people, man. You either like Jeffro's voice or you hate it. Does is anybody neutral on uh, Jeffro's prose style? <laughs> I don't think so. his prose style is on Twitter. <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, he's been banned. I banned myself. Deactivated my account. Stupid social media. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to plug that I haven't purchased it yet. DW was the first per to purchase it, um, but I am confident in that I know what's in it and what's going in it. So if you like what we've been talking about on the show, you're gonna enjoy the content of this book. Um, I'd like to plug something else too. Um friend of the show rick stump uh has had a podcast running since last year he took some time off from it he's now up to episode 16 and uh he dropped into my dms and said hey i'd i'd like you to uh you know i'd like you to just uh shoot me some comments on this episode so um the episode the, the first episode I listened to was episode 16. It was his latest, and I thought it was great. Um, he was talking about good writing and bad writing, but not writing in the sense of novels, which is what we normally talk to around here. He's talking about writing in the sense of uh, in the sense of lore, making up a background for your world. So he's talking about the original star wars movies he's talking about warhammer 40k tabletop battles and the lore behind that and he's talking about the rifts tabletop role-playing game and the lore behind that and it is a short episode it's about 20 minutes and he talks about lore that i hadn't heard before he ties them all together into a bigger topic. Um, it's not just a lore show. He has a thesis that he's going towards, and he uses each of those three as examples of how they either advance or don't advance this good writing of lore. Um, and I found it enjoyable. I found it entertaining. All of the examples he uses are on topic. He doesn't repeat himself. Um, he doesn't repeat himself. <clears throat> and, <throat> and he, uh, I, was in, I was entertained by the show. And listening to the episode made me want to go back and uh, listen to other episodes of the show, which very rarely happens with podcasts I've listened to. So I'm going to shoot. Um, it's actually available on several different uh, podcast services, but I'm going to go back and shoot uh, 
uh, link to um, to the podcast to Dornall so we can put it in the uh, put it in the comments uh, to the show. Yeah, it's still I got the link there in the chat now, and we'll get that in the show notes after the show. Anyways, I recommend it. I had a good time. Great. Cool. In fact, uh, Rick Rick pinged me about coming on and talking about the show. We still have that psionics discussion. Uh, we can we can talk about scheduling that later. So um, Rick's Rick's finally moving again. Uh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, let's let's uh, move things along. There's uh, let's. Do you want to stick to D and D? Talk about uh, Alexander Macrius. That's the big long topic. I'm going to have to see how we can shrink that down. Let's do Daisy Jones and the Six uh, because I can do that fairly quickly. Sounds um, good. Daisy Jones and the Six is a new show that's on Amazon Prime Video. It's a drama. Um, apparently, I hit it at just the right time because I ran across new and updated episodes of Behind the Music, which they were showing on Paramount Plus. And uh, they took, you know, episodes of Behind the Music, which were broadcast originally on MTV. Um, back in the round, you know, 2000s, late 90s. And they updated them and, and shot them like recently in the last couple years. Um, and so I watched a couple episodes of those, like Huey Lewis uh, episode, which was great. Um, and so I got to hear a bunch of, uh, you know, stories about these guys live. And then immediately after I uh, had been listening to a couple of these, um, I tuned on to Amazon Prime, and they've got this new show they've been pushing called Daisy Jones and the Six. And it is basically a drama, and it goes into, it's based on a novel, which I've never heard of or never read. Um, and it goes into this rise of a band in the late 60s and early 70s and all the things they're doing and all the things they're saying are just like these real stories that i was listening to and behind the music so i don't know if i would have been as entranced with the show if i hadn't just been listening to behind the music episodes but i it hit me at the right time i was interested in the subject matter so you guys know me. Usually I'm into like, you know, sci-fi, fantasy, uh, superheroes, horror, whatever. But I was pulled into um, this alternate universe where this band that never existed in the real world was doing their fighting thing and, and coming up from nothing. And it was set up kind of like a behind the music episode because you have the period of... Um, showing what was, you know, happening, the drama of it. And then they'd stop and they had a, a, a woman who was interviewing the band like 20 years later um, during the 90s. So it was very much like a, a behind the music episode. And the first three episodes were absolutely great. I mean, they were great drama. It was interesting. The characters pulled me in. 
The show isn't finished yet. Um, I think there's probably three or four episodes left. And at the beginning, it was one episode a week. This week, for some reason, they dropped three episodes all at once. And so I watched all three last night. And the last two episodes had begun to drop off. Um, it is sad, but the character of Daisy has stopped being Daisy Jones. Um, and I know I'm not giving you any details about the character or the band because we are staring down the barrel of uh, running out of time. So I'm having to do this quickly. Um, the first three episodes are really good. They drew me into the show. They bought me. They bought the show, the rest of the series. I'm going to finish it out. Um, but Daisy Jones has stopped being a real character and instead has become whatever the script needs her to be. Mm -hmm in order to make what has to happen happen and um camille marone is in the show um who that uh she i can't remember what else she's been in um but i have seen her in other things before and she is just outrageously beautiful um and she steals every and i don't mean like just physically beautiful i mean her uh her mannerisms the way she carries herself the way she plays her character she just has fabulous charisma she dominates the screen whenever she's on it um and you can't help you know your eyes can't help be drawn to her um, she plays the wife of the lead singer. Um, anyways, Daisy Jones, Camille Marone's character just doesn't have any human dialogue. She has like robot person dialogue that they wish... That, that is setting up the conflict that's going to drive the band towards what they've been hitting at all through the show. And they're, they're hitting at what's coming. And they've already told you what's coming. So you know what's coming at the end of the show. Um, but you don't know how it's going to get there. And that's what the show is about, is how they get to this place. Um, and it is it's sad that they have an actress with this amount of charisma who is this good at what she's doing and have given her this robot dialogue to carry out um and that's ruining the show daisy being this empty vessel for the plot to fill is ruining part of the show. I'm not saying this is unwatchable, but uh, it's disappointing that they have ruined the plot of the first, they have ruined the promise of the first three episodes. Mm -hmm. um, so 
Yeah, I'm not exactly not recommending the show, but the last two episodes have kind of brought me down. Um, but again, there's three or four episodes left, so we'll see if they can pull it out, if this is just a slump in the middle of the series. However, there have been no filler episodes where they're just on repeat. Um, every episode has had a story. It's had an internal story, and the internal story has contributed to the longer story. They have secondary characters who have their own uh, subplots that are interesting in and of themselves. And even the supporting characters are interesting and three-dimensional. Um, and the one guy who's just there is a spear carrier because he doesn't really um, have big stuff to do, who's the sound engineer at the studio, is still funny. Um, and he contributes to the show. Um, and, and I like him. He's a creep guy. So it is a really excellent show, um, but it, it is not without its flaws, and I'm really hoping it doesn't, I'm really hoping they redeem it from the last two episodes. That's it. I have, I have nothing to add. I, I ex oh, I, I accept that it's a different change from the, show where oh yeah it stinks at the beginning but it takes a few episodes to get into it and this one it says oh what a great premise and then writers take it off the rails i wouldn't say it's off the rails i would say that two of the characters have become really disappointing uh but they do have a chance to you know bring those characters back in line with what they had been earlier in the series fair I was expecting you to run off to IDM, IDMB and look up Camille Moreau. That's okay. <laughs> that's that's what you usually do. I find myself talking about Camille Moreau and then you interrupt me and say, yes, well, she was in these 14 different TV shows. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's her. Um, but anyways, let's uh, jump tracks to our last topic of the show. For the last 14 minutes. Um, Absolutely. Which is uh, for Arbiter of Worlds, which is Alexander McCris's Substack. Had a great article this week, uh, which is called A Manifesto in Defense of Simulationism. I got that review out in four minutes. I think that's a great. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Which, of course, uh, you, you did great on that review. Uh, but Macris, we had him on the show. He is simulationism incarnate. He is, is unabashedly, unreservedly, this is my jam. This is how I make games. You know, if you read the book, Arbit of Worlds, where he got the name for that. Substack, you know, that's his, his, his manifesto about simulation, you know, tab tabletop RPGs as simulation is there in that book as well. So, uh, but this is something new is adding, adding some more fuel to the fire DW. Yeah. 
By the way, um, episode five of Rick Stump's podcast, Lore with Rick, is a discussion with Alexander McChris, and it is it dovetails with this article. So if you want some information that illuminates and supports this article, um, which I, I recommend, I highly recommend uh, if you're looking at RPG game design, if that topic interests you at all, you should read this article and you should listen to episode number five of Rick Stump's podcast because it absolutely undergirds this article. It also... And here's here's where the simulationism comes in. I just, just one example I got from the podcast illuminating this article. He talks about how uh, important simulationism is. He got told by a, a submariner, a Navy submarine officer, asked him where he got the stats. For the Sea Wolf class submarine that shows up in Ascendant, his superhero um, RPG. And McChris said he derived them from some public information that was available on the web and the submariner told him that he was probably on a watch list now for divulging certain aspects of the sea wolf's operating capacity <laughs> it's a uh, I believe it was this, its crush depth um, that was a little too accurate and uh, was actually classified information. Um, so his... Uh, that dude's his work, thorough. Yeah. His work at deriving values was so accurate that it... Uh, it, uh, you know, it twigged some uh, twigged some ears. And also he got some compliments from someone who works at DARPA on war games for uh, aspects of his system in Ascendant. So he, it, he's not just a simulationist. Uh, he's a very, very good simulationist, apparently according to the stories he told in that episode. And I just want to... I, I, what I would really like to do is see if we can contact uh, Alexander, get him to come on the show to discuss this article. Um, I think that would be a great show, but I want to... I'm just going to fast forward through everything and talk about the one aspect of the article that I thought was the most interesting. So I'm going to zip until we get to the D&D part, the AD&D part. Um, oh, that's, uh, that's pretty near the beginning. 
talking about yes. Gary Gygax in AD&D. I've got the I've got it up on the screen for everybody hanging out on YouTube watching this live. You can follow along. Um, his uh, his his assertion that despite Gary Gygax's cries to the contrary, he was pretty simulationist in writing AD&D. That that was yeah. the that's the that's the gist of Macris's article. Yep. First game mechanic is aging um, and effects on your attributes. The next game mechanic is disease and parasitic infestation, um, both of which are obviously simulation game mechanics. Um, and these are just, and I'm quoting here from the from the article. These are just the few, first few of countless subsystems found throughout Advanced Dungeons and Dragons that simulate well everything. The subsystems found in AD and D are as intricate and detailed as any I've created in Ascendant, and I am an avowed simulationist. So. And he talks about why Gygax might have had the impetus to keep this hidden because of the wargaming culture at the time. And then he goes into, you know, the dramatist, gamist, simulationist, threefold theory. Um, and then brings up the GNS theory. Cursed be its name and all who pushed it on to gaming culture. But the fact is, I disagree with GNS theory and the aspects of GNS theory which got swapped backwards onto... Um, DGS. I now I'm just I just skimmed the article and we're talking about DGS being the dramatist approach to gaming, gamist and simulationist, and right. DNS sort of rephrases those as what was it? I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Narrativist, gamist, gamist narrativist, and simulation. Simulation. I I don't want to go into those. I I have railed about those before. Um, it's a but, crap but theory. You're, but you're, but okay, go ahead. It, it's a crap theory that's designed to push something that isn't role playing games into role playing games. I will say this: the original DGS are styles of play. They're not. They're not game design theories. They're not describing rule sets. They're describing styles of playing, role playing games, and on that level, they're fine. I happen to believe that dramatist is about enjoyable stories. I happen to believe that enjoyable stories come from, organically arise from, play of the game. And I believe 
that um, a rule set that a rule set exists to emulate in-game world considerations, the in-game world physics and metaphysics. So if you have magic, the rule set exists to emulate what that magic is like. If you have, and to the degree where it is plausible, it doesn't have to be 100% perfect. And some people are going, the word realistic is completely inapplicable when applied to rule sets. No rule set is actually realistic. The word that you're looking for is verisimilitude. Some rule sets are more accurate than others. Most rule sets are accurate in more accurate in some area than other rule sets. But, you know, in certain rule sets, you'll have things like karma or other luck effects, which may actually be, you know, reflective of real life. Um, so this division of simulationist, gamist, and dramatist, I think is a false, uh, I think it's a false division to begin with. Rule sets exist to emulate or simulate the physics and metaphysics of a world, whatever they may be. And the rule set should set up challenges for the players. Sometimes those challenges may be fair. Sometimes those challenges may be unfair. And, I mean, if the players come upon the lair of a gigantic ancient dragon, they should have the wisdom to stop and think, hey, we should get the heck out of here and not bother it. Um, and stories are retrospectives. Uh, you are relating the events that happened during play after the fact. They are not something that the game system, the mechanics, are setting up for you. There are things that happen. There are things that you construct after the fact out of the events of the game. So these are not three opposite goals. They all work together. Challenges arise from the rules. The rules are a simulation of the physics and metaphysics of the game world and stories are built out of the result of play, out of the results of the challenges of combat, of traps, 
of social interactions, of whatever. So these are not three opposite things. They all come out of each other. So, yes, simulationism is an important thing. I agree with Macris on that entirely. And the extent to which simulationism has been thrown away is the extent to which role-playing games have been undermined and destroyed. That's it. I'm done. Well said. I, just to add my two cents, yeah, it's a, it's a shame the, you know, the damage that's been done to the hobby, you know, to the perception of people, like the way they perceive what a game is because of that, you know, cry against simulation simulationists because uh when i was uh just as an anecdote when i was young and we were playing cyberpunk 2020 all the time you could go to forums and spend hours and hours of discussions with gun nuts and whatever else discussing what are the proper attributes of a particular firearm uh, and particular ammunition what what you know what's the difference between a 38 special and the 357 magnum is it a plus one damage bonus or how do you you know that sort of thing and um and i don't think they help their case any right because that's that kind of simulationism doesn't do anything but and i think this is where mccrease uh gets it right even even if i think mccrease might go a little overboard with the super accurate submarine stats right the stuff that you find in adventure conquer king system and advanced dungeons and dragons are just enough of that simulationist design to make that world come alive and that's my experience in those games um that's just my two cents otherwise uh, i love i love what you said there dw all right well, there are what? things happening. Ooh. Like what? Uh, things happening after the show, uh, which means we have to we have to shut this one down early. So yeah, sorry for the late start, but I'm glad we got on to chat about this stuff. I've I've got the link to that uh, manifesto in the show notes, and uh, all the other links we talked about are available. Um, and I do want to say hello. Thanks for showing up uh, on such short notice. Video Mirador, good to see you. Simon Hogwood, Mercurius Olicus, thanks for showing up and uh, hanging out live, as well as everybody else who's who's listening live. Um, and I do appreciate appreciate you guys. Uh, I hope everybody listens later, enjoys it. And uh, and thanks thanks for doing the show on on short notice on short time. D Dubs, you rock. Is it my turn now? Sure is. All right. I want to thank everybody who turned up and listened live, participated in our always awesome chat. And, of course, we want to thank everybody who will listen later. Um, this has been Geek Gab for Saturday, March 11th, 2023, episode 307. We are here just about every week at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. You can get us on YouTube.com slash Geek Gab. Once again, that's YouTube.com slash geek gab go ahead and click subscribe and then click the bell to be notified usually of when our show 
is going live. We are also available on the Google Play Store, on SoundCloud.com, and on the iTunes Store. We are signing out for today, folks. But don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will be back.